Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Primero le quiero decir a todos que las condiciones para hacer esta conferencia no son las adecuadas y no son las correctas. First of all, I would like to say that the, the way that we are doing this press conference are not the right, the right thing to do it here. Le contestaré todas las... Sorry, Doug, go ahead. Say that again. And, and the second question, did, did he want to comment on Pinso's decision to change the free kick into a penalty kick? No, no, yo no. No, no, en esas cosas no, no puedo opinar porque no, primero que no he visto las imágenes y no he visto nada. I, I don't like to, to talk about these decisions. And second, I, did not, I didn't have time to, to see the, the images yet. Next question over to Felipe. Felipe, go ahead. Your line's open. Thank you. Buenas noches, Gabriel. Eh, a su equipo en, el primer, en los primeros 45 le costó desarrollar su, su fútbol. Eso cambió bastante en la segunda parte. ¿Cuál fue, cuál fue la, la, el cambio en su opinión? ¿Y qué rescata usted sobre el trabajo del grupo en este partido? Sí, eh, puede ser que sea así porque los, los primeros, el primer tiempo nos costó tanto en el juego y tanto también en la parte defensiva. It's true that uh, it's right like in the first half we got problems with uh, the way we the way we play we try to perform and also in the in our defensive way too. Y el segundo tiempo es le pedí que se que jueguen y que se muevan y que y que no que no tengan problema y miedo de de, de perder el balón. Like what I what I asked them for the second half is not to be afraid to play that they should move. And they should enjoy. Y creo que ya los movimientos eran eran mejores. I think the movement were better in the second half. Con también con algunos algunos errores que que cometimos también. But also with uh, some mistakes we had also in the, in the second half. As a reminder, you guys need to hit the raise hand icon to ask a question. We're going to go to Jeff Carlisle now. Jeff, go ahead. Your lines open. Thank you, Chris. Hello, Gabriel. Um, Obviously, Joseph Martinez is coming off of a, a serious injury from last year. Um, now you've had a chance to see him both as a substitute and a starter. What's your assessment of, of where his game is at and, and, and where he's at mentally and physically in, in trying to recover from that? Bueno, eh, ya lo había dicho antes que, que José está entrenando muy bien. I already talked about this before. Joseph is training well. Y... Y ahora he decidido que, que juegue este partido otro, otro compañero porque el martes tenemos otro, otro partido más. Also, I decided to, to put another player uh, up top because also we have another game on Tuesday. Se está viendo que la doble competencia con muy poco descanso. And we are seeing that like this, uh, having two games or three games per week 
eso todavía no están pasando cosas. We are having problems with it because of this. Y bueno, y con José quise que cuando esté en campo que él esté, él esté con, él esté bien. But what I wanted is when Joseph is on the field, he feel he feels uh, good to play. Y que de a poco eh, vaya agarrando su forma y, y eso eso vamos a hacer todo lo posible. And step by step, we want him to to get his fitness condition uh, in the proper manner. Next question back to Felipe. Felipe, go ahead. Your line's open. Thank you, Chris. Gabriel, fue el al descansar a algunos titulares. Eso fue para para descanso o fue para darle minutos a otros jugadores. Algo que usted dijo que era una era una prioridad en este momento de de, de, de la temporada. Por las dos cosas. I think both both things. Y siempre pensando que en el partido de hoy era era lo importante. Always thinking that the priority, the important game was the one today. Pero necesitamos a todos el grupo. But we need the whole group. Porque la la recuperación es es muy poca. Because the recovery time is very short. A veces te sale bien y otra vez no no sale no sale bien. Sometimes it works, but others uh, does not. Okay, uh, Gabriel Heinze with his post-game remarks from New England. Uh, if an Atlanta United player comes to the podium, we're uh, going to go back to Gillette Stadium and we'll have that for you. Now, Heinze was asked about the New England penalty. He said basically no comment, and also he didn't really have a chance to see the replay of it yet. Well, perhaps he'd like to hear the way that we described it. And I don't maybe, know if he would or not. Maybe he could draw conclusions off that. We were both confused. Um, it's funny, listening back to it here, I think – I may have thought it was a penalty initially and then got talked out of it after seeing the replay. You thought no penalty all along. Turned out to be a penalty. I think that's how it worked. Let, let's listen to how we described it. Thrown into Booksaw. Top of the 18. Flick to heel. Dribbling square to goal. Tried to slip it back through to Booksaw. Intercepted walks. Cleared back to Farrell. Farrell starts it down the right wing. Here's a bending cross headed down by Walks at the top of the six. Heinemann, though, can't clear. Heel now. Sending it up to Brandon By on the right side. Cross to the penalty spot right to Sosa. Sosa trying to clear. Unsuccessful. Maciel stole it. And now, finally, it's Anton Walks driving it. However, however, penalty. Penalty. I, or is it just outside the area? It's There's outside. A, there's a foul right on the edge of the 18, and it's going to be a free kick right on the edge of the chalk. Now we're going to VAR. So the VAR, Soren Stoika, believes this might have actually occurred in the area. Penso's given a penalty. Unbelievable. So now Guzan facing his first penalty of the year. It's Carlos Hill at the spot. Action at the goal to our left. 53rd minute. Heel gets the whistle. Up to the ball. Strikes it and scores. Right lower 90, and New England takes a 2-1 lead. It was two years ago, or three years ago, at Gillette Stadium where New England got a very controversial penalty at the end of the match to uh, get a point, and it's a controversial penalty again tonight that has put them in the lead 2-1. Same goal, too. Same side mm -hmm. of the stadium. Both second-half penalties. Um, look, I'm sure, first of all, we're going to get more information. That I, when, it, when it comes back to for me is that that video assistant referee is supposed to be used to correct a clear and obvious error by the center ref. It is so close that I don't know what the clear and obvious error was that prompted Soren Stoika to recommend the on-field review. Chris Penso was right there. He was right there when he made the call. I think you initially, because of where the call was and where Buchanan fell in, 
you thought he was giving the penalty on the call. I also thought he was pointing to the spot, but right. no, he was just pointing to where the kick would come. And, and he was very demonstrative that it was outside. Uh, it doesn't matter where he falls here because this isn't a, a continuation issue. It's not where you're grabbing the player and the referee allows the play to continue, and then you have to decide, well, when did the grab become too much and it's a foul? This is a very simple thing. It's foot on foot. It's a foul. It's a kick. And where does it happen? doesn't matter where he falls. doesn't matter where he's leaning. doesn't matter anything. If the foul happens outside of the box, it's outside of the box. If it happens over the line, then it's a penalty. We saw the replay. I think we only saw the one angle over and over and over again. I don't know if there was another angle. I don't know if there was a better angle. I don't know what it was that was seen that made it definitive that it was a clear and obvious error that it was a penalty, that it should have been a penalty. I don't know what that was, but it is a very fine line. And and I think people are, are in their feelings a little bit about losing to a very good New England team, which shouldn't be the case anyway. New England's a very good team. When we talk about a situation like this and we go into detail about it, it's not to justify that Atlanta played well. It's because it decided the match. Exactly. It flat out decided the match. Could there have been something else in it? Sure. You take that goal away, you give it a free kick, say it goes off the wall, we're having a different conversation about this match. It is a huge talking point from this match, and I feel like Soren Stoika got it wrong. Um, to your point, after the penalty, New England had no shots on target the rest of the match. Carlos Heel did not have a single chance created after the penalty. Not saying Atlanta United dominated after the penalty. They but would New- have played it but, differently, too. Probably. But, again, New England was not creating chances in open play after the penalty. That's why we're spending so much time on this, because, as Jason told you, it is a decisive play. It does not mean that New England was not the better team tonight, New, New either. New England it, was the better team. Yeah, They, they it, were the better team, and, and sometimes the better team doesn't win. Go back to Tuesday. Yeah. It happens. The better team doesn't always win. They didn't do enough to emphatically win this match. It came down to a very difficult decision, and I would love to hear the justification why it was a clear and obvious error when Chris Pinzo is standing five yards away from it. It just reminds me so much of 2019 at LAFC where Vela drew a foul right on the edge of the area that A, might not have been a foul, and B, looked to us live, and we were right on that 18. We were, we were there in L.A. in 2019, standing right on that 18. Um, and it looked pretty clearly and obviously to us that the foul occurred outside of the area. And um, Vela got a penalty. And that ended up being the game-winning goal that night. It put LAFC up 4-1. Atlanta United got two back. But that's the reason why Jason and I spent a lot of time on the mechanics of this, because these are decisive plays. It does not mean, again, that New England was not the better team today. We are not saying that, but it was a decisive play. Atlanta United could have at least come out of this with a draw had it not happened. It doesn't matter that he fell in the box. It doesn't matter if his upper body is leaning over the line. It matters where the foul occurred, and the foul is a very simple one. It's foot on leg or foot on shin or foot on ankle. It's a contact foul. Chris Penso is, I believe, seven to eight yards away when he makes the call. 
He points at it immediately. There's no hesitation from him. He's not looking for help from his AR on where the placement was. He makes the call very quickly. Tejon Buchanan makes the touch. His foot goes up in the air. Emerson Hindman comes out to it. He's late. It's a foul. There's nothing about it clear and obvious. And on the, the New England call, which we are looking at the highlights on MLSsoccer.com, and we're seeing the closed captioning from the New England commentary with Brad Feldman and Charlie Davies, they didn't think it was clear and obvious either. Huh. So if you want to go down that road, listen to the New England call and see what you think. I don't know where the clear and obvious issue is. Yeah, uh, Feldman, by the way, has been doing it for a very long time, very experienced announcer. Charlie Davies uh, works for MLSsoccer.com. I-, I wonder if Charlie will participate in that little – thing they do uh did they get it right the pringles thing that uh they put out every tuesday and wednesday and if he'll have the same opinion okay uh we're in a hold at foxborough for more interviews so let's take a break we'll come back and we're going to take your questions and comments on social media here's your last call to send them in at mike conti 929 and at Longshoe. and the full-time report will continue in a moment with atlanta united falling to new england revolution 2-1 on on star 94 one all right, we're back on the full-time report. We'll go back to Foxborough now. Anton Walks is speaking to the media. A result of fatigue. Jay, could you repeat that? Because of all the games y'all are having to play, yeah. was tonight's performance partially just a result of fatigue? Um, I wouldn't put it down to it. I think we're professionals. A few of, these, you know, few of us have been in this league for a long time, and that's happened over last few years where, you know, fixtures start to pile up, especially towards the back end. It's only the start, so I think it's just time to reflect on how we performed. There's a few things we know we should have done better and we tried to do during the game and it just didn't happen for us. And again, like you said, the fixtures are coming you know, very quick and we have to take what we can out of this game and make sure we improve coming on to, uh, Tuesday. Go to Felipe next. Go ahead, Felipe. Thank you. Hey, Anton. Uh, we'll play tonight. I wanted to ask you if you could go back to the union match. Uh, you, you did not, you weren't on the field, but what did you see from the partnership between uh, Alan and Miles? And then h- how did you think it went today between you and Franco? Um, obviously, it's a new partnership all around, especially with Alan coming in. He's got great qualities and we're still getting to know each other all around as a group. And we need to do it very quickly. I think Philly kind of took advantage of it at times. And again, we're playing them on Tuesday. And if we want to get a result and find a way to dig ourselves up the whole way, and we need to put things right. Felipe, go ahead again. Thanks. Just following up on that, um, it, it felt like, and, and Gabrielle kind of confirmed this, that the it was a very different match, clearly, from the from Tuesday night. In New England, the problems that they caused for you guys in the back line weren't so much um, – they were different from what happened against the Union. More how you guys played out of the back, how you dealt with pressure, losing the ball in your own half. Um, was that a part of this new partnership coupled with New England really coming out and pressuring in that first half? No, I wouldn't say down to partnerships. I think we're a team, so in about – a pair or two or three players, you know, where a collective here and there's mistakes all over the field. And if you look at, you know, the goals, it's not just the back line where it's come from. And that's just how it is. We need to work together more. 
we are taking a lot of information on board. It ain't all doom and gloom, you know, two bad results in a row, but opportunities are coming for us to create right. So we're hurting right now, but I wouldn't see it as a situation where we need to panic. I think there's a lot of things we need to improve on and we're aware of that and we're very willing to do that. So that, that will come. Anything else for Anton? No All hand. right. Thanks, guys. Thank no you, hands raised for Anton. We uh, appreciate that. So that's Anton Walks in his postgame news conference up at Foxborough with Atlanta United losing to New England Revolution 2-1. We'll take another break. We'll come back on the full-time report. Last call for questions and comments. Tweet them at Mike Conti 929. And at will return in a moment on Star 94. Back, 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 back to the full-time report on Star 94-1. All right, back live with the full-time report. Atlanta United falling to New England tonight 2-1 on a controversial second-half penalty by Carlos Heal. The penalty itself not controversial. The foul that then was sent to an on-field review by the VAR was controversial, but I think we've gone through that enough. Let's get to your questions and comments now on Twitter, starting with our buddy Edmund Gibson. says, not good enough tonight. The aggression and intensity from the last two matches was AWOL. Too good versus New England's intensity. Almost every cross is overcooked. He also hopes that Barco and Dom's knocks are not serious. Well, the knocks are, are from a lot of the games you've been playing, and the intensity was not where you'd like it to be for 90 minutes because you've played an extra a large amount of games than these teams. You've played two games against Alaba Lindsay, one extra against Philadelphia. That's... A lot of minutes that have piled up early versus New England's minutes that they've had. It, it's tough. It's tough. And you look at the records across the, the CONCACAF Champions League teams in MLS. Atlanta United has the best record of the five MLS CONCACAF teams. And you look at the games this weekend. Portland's getting spanked out in Dallas. Columbus managed another scoreless draw. Philadelphia got beat at home. Um, Toronto was off this weekend. It's it's tough, and it's showing early on that these games are, are very difficult when you have the balance of CONCACAF and MLS early in a season. Uncertain time, says they. New England were the better team, but another case of VAR overstepping on the clear and obvious unless they had a much different replay than TV, which, by the way, they did not. Yeah, I mean, we never saw anything that, that made it look like clear and obvious that there was a an error made. Uh, New England was the better team. New England made a, an adjustment early on when Atlanta was good early. New England's pressure up high, which was a little bit higher than we've generally seen them do, was really effective in disrupting Atlanta's build-up play. They just made it difficult for Atlanta United to get cleanly into the attacking half and create more chances. When you look at the number of chances created, what, 11-8 New England? Mm-hmm. I mean, they had the, the advantage. They had some better chances, but they didn't dominate the game. They were the better team. That's why it was close. That's why it came down to a very difficult decision. I also think eight of their 11 were in the first half. I mentioned Mm -hmm. how Heal, who had five before the penalty, didn't have anything after the penalty. Uh, Trombone Steve wants to know, did the gaffer plan the night so we had legs for Philly and we didn't do what we needed? It felt like we just didn't have any answers for anything Sloppy passes, no attack, lack of that creativity we've already seen this season. Our Philly game was better. Just want to point out statistically, um, sloppy passes, Atlanta United passed at 85% on the match, which is 
slightly below their season average, average, but still very good. One percentage point lower. Yeah, uh, it, from their season average. Yeah. Um, no attack, lack of creativity. They did create eight chances. Uh, to the a no, little less than normal. A little less than normal. They had 11 shots. Um, so statistically, I'm not quite sure I agree with the assessment. But it wasn't far off. Um, it was off, but it wasn't far off. Off. I, I no. I don't think Gabriel Heinze came into the match looking ahead to Philadelphia in the way that he chose the lineup. And I think you see with the Dom injury and with the Barco injury that you have a lot of guys who played a lot of minutes, and you're trying to manage that so those things don't happen. And, and sometimes it's impossible to do that. And you're just trying to deal with the wear and tear at the moment, and then put together a lineup of guys who you think can go at least 45 and then maybe at least 60 and then maybe 90, and you're trying to make sense of it. Atlanta United struggled tonight at times, but they were also in the game the whole way. So I, I, I think it just has to be understood that you went to New England, who was an Eastern Conference finalist last year, who has been looked at generally as one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference this year, and they beat you 2-1 at home. That's... Not a shocking result. It just isn't. Now, when you do look ahead to Tuesday, I do think it's interesting. Atlanta United, too, who just took the lead out at Oklahoma City, by the way, Philip Goodrum with the goal off an assist from Will Riley, they saw a number of first-team players play, but Mateo Sosechu came out at halftime. Tyler Wolf came out at halftime. Ronald Hernandez came out at halftime. Maybe with what you saw in Philadelphia and the injuries, there might have been a call out to OKC and, and say, we might want to get these guys on a plane and get them to Philadelphia for Tuesday. You might have to do it. That's a very – I didn't even consider that. That's a very interesting point, especially it would make sense with uh, someone like Tyler Wolf, who could play on the wing or as a central attacking midfielder. Uh, Josetu – Heinemann got through the match okay tonight, but had to play 90 minutes. So, yeah, that's a, a very interesting point. And Hernandez – as a right back, uh, you might need some help on the right side. You could on, push Brooks Linden up higher could, if you wanted to. Which they kind of did a little bit in the second half anyway, it, it, to an extent. So it, that, that's a very good point. Good for ETL UTD2, by the way, to take the lead on the road at Oklahoma. We'll keep an eye on that one. Waffle House says, Mike, well-played match. What game were you watching? We got played off the field tonight. You can't get played off the field when you're playing an Eastern Conference finalist and it's 2-1 and the winning goal is a VAR decision on an overturn. And, again, New England was the better team. There's really not a whole lot to dispute that. But you were in the match the whole way. The reaction from both teams at the end of it shows you it was a well-played match. Carlos Heel, New England players, were ecstatic with the win because they knew what it meant. It was a good win for them. If it wasn't a good win, then it, just, it would have been nothing. Atlanta United players shattered at the end of it because they knew they were right there with a good team. That's a good match. That's an entertaining match. It's one we wish the result was different here in Atlanta, but it's a good match. Uh, looking at a discussion going on here with Shiva and Kevin from Charlotte, Kevin a little worried about Moreno. He says he's not doing well on the wing. Shiva says she would rather see Moreno play centrally. A lot of people say that, and, and I just don't necessarily agree because Marcelino Moreno 
is one of the best in the league on the dribble. Those numbers are consistent. He was second in the league coming in. He was right around that average today. He creates the the penalty, and he takes it himself. He had opportunities cutting inside and going to goal. He is creating chances. He's doing a lot of good things on the wing. also think he looked tired by the end of the match, but he was still creating things and had a chance that was blocked at the top of the 18 that could have been an equalizing goal. When you get down to the numbers of it, if you play Marcelino Moreno centrally, then you're putting Barco out wide. People have talked about wanting to see Barco centrally for years. Well, now you're getting that opportunity. If you play both of them centrally, then you're sitting Emerson Hindman, who has been your best player in the final third so far this season, in XG coming into this match. He's been getting good opportunities. He's got a goal. That's the reality. Right now, I think Barco and Hindman centrally, Moreno wide, is the best setup for this team. One more for Matt Haney. Higher pressing by New England was a good strategy against a team starting the year playing two games a week in CCL. Good game plan by Bruce Arena for Atlanta still gelling in a long season to go. Looked good even down to 10 at the end. We said that too, Mm -hmm. uh, but clearly out of legs. That's a great tweet by Matt. Look, a lot of people are down on Bruce Arena because of the mistakes that he made with the U.S. men's national team in qualification for the 2018 World Cup when Bruce got called in uh, from the LA Galaxy to try to fix it after Jurgen Klinsmann got off to a horrible start. He did, and then he blew it. And Bruce Arena made big mistakes with that team. The U.S. should have been in the World Cup in Russia in 2018. That doesn't mean he's a bad coach, and I think you saw it tonight. What Bruce Arena does so well is he doesn't make huge tactical changes. And by the way, tactics and formation are two different things. I want to continue to stress that. tactics and formation are not the same thing. Atlanta United's had the same tactics in every game. They've had different formations. They play the same way. Bruce Arena makes very subtle tweaks to the way his team plays. You saw at the very beginning, Adam Buxa was by himself. The press was dropping into the middle third. Once Carlos Heel stepped up higher and they put higher pressure on, as Matt points out, it was harder for Atlanta United to build out of the back. That made it harder for them to get into good positions in the middle third and into the final third. It's a little subtle change, and Bruce Arena is the master of that. He's the best manager ever to come from the United States, and he's not letting up anytime soon. No, no, he's done a terrific job, and I think a lot of people forget me of – even tuned out of the MLS Cup playoffs last year because of all the other things going on in the world. This was a team that was really, really close to going to the MLS Cup final last year. Bruce Arena did a fantastic job tonight. And Waffle House and I, I think, are still good, by the way. I mean, no hard feelings there at all. <laughs> I think I think we all should be good. It's a good match, and, and uh, New England comes out on top of I, it. I, sometimes after a – well, I mean, my mentions after a loss are a wasteland sometimes. So, I mean, oh, I that, that was mild compared to some of the other stuff I get. But hopefully we're good. Okay, we'll take one final break. We'll come back. Another busy week coming up for Atlanta United. Tuesday in Philly, no radio. Next Sunday in Miami, and there will be radio for that. So we'll have a preview of both matches coming up after this. uh, Atlanta United falls to New England Revolution 2-1 on Star 94. Back with more full-time report on Star 94-1. Wrapping up the full-time report here on Star 94, Atlanta United losing tonight in New England 2-1. Just to bring you up to date on everything else tonight in MLS very quickly, Orlando won its uh, defeated Cincinnati 3-0. Nani had a beautiful goal to open the scoring in that one tonight. Philadelphia falls to New York City 2-0. They played 11-on-10 most of that match, and Jose Martinez with a vicious 
kind of chopping elbow on Valentin Castellanos very early in that match to be sent off, and he's got to be looking, I would think, at a multi-game ban. Portland, another CONCACAF team shelled tonight, 4-1 by Dallas, and the seats have got to be getting warm in Minnesota. They lose at home to expansion Austin tonight, 1-0. I mean, credit to Josh Wolf and, and his side for winning two of their first three and, and playing LAFC pretty tough on the road in their first game. And all those have been on the road, by the way. Austin hasn't even opened their new stadium yet. But Minnesota was a Western Conference finalist. Adrian Heath made some questionable decisions down the stretch in that one. They're 0-3 this season. They got blown out in week one in Seattle. There have to be some serious questions about what's going on in Minnesota because the Loons are more worried about calling young opposing goalkeepers clowns (laughs) or not very good rather than actually getting results. Yeah. So, here's the week ahead now for Atlanta United. Tuesday night, 8 p.m., no radio. Uh, the second leg of the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinal against Philadelphia. Look, Atlanta United's down 3-0. They've given up three road goals. They're probably not going to advance. But, you know, we said during the pregame show, you would hope that Philadelphia would have to do a lot of work tonight. Playing 11-on-10 for 80 minutes It's going to be a lot of work. Um but I think you made a really good point about Josetu and Wolf and Ronald Hernandez coming out of the twos match at halftime tonight. This would feel like a good opportunity for Heinze uh, to maybe give Jackson Conway a little bit of a, a, a chance on Tuesday. I think Wolf would obviously make a lot of sense. Josetu probably as well, though mm-hmm. Hyman's been very good, but he's had to work a lot. It feels like that kind of match on Tuesday. Yeah, I think you could see a, a lot of fresh faces because even players who, who played well tonight and have been playing well have played a lot of minutes, and, and it adds up. And, and let it rip with uh, a lot of fresh legs on Tuesday and see if you can find an early goal and, and make Philly question themselves. Then on Sunday, down in Fort Lauderdale, Atlanta United against Inter-Miami, a team they saw a lot last year, a team that kicked the heck out of them at times. Literally. Uh, Yes, and now it was a different manager last year, a different team. Phil Neville is there now, so tactically they might be a little bit different. But four very hard-played matches against Inter-Miami last year, and Atlanta United did not get a win in any of those four. Miami plays tomorrow against Nashville. But that's one where if you're looking at kind of checkpoints to see how Atlanta United has um, changed year over year, I think, again, the injury situation with Barco and Dom will be a part of this, but I think Sunday would give us a good indication. Yeah, it's just what we saw from Barco and Dom, and it's, it's way too early to diagnose it. If both are, are hamstring issues, it'd be surprising to see them next week. It just would be. You're going to be careful because you're looking at the long haul. you got a lot of games in May before you get to that double international break. Miami's a, a good side. They went to Philadelphia and beat a first-choice Philadelphia Union on the road. Miami's not going to be an easy opponent. They are a little frail defensively. Atlanta's been at times a little frail offensively. We'll see how that matches up. That will be our next match on radio. We'll be back on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game Sunday, 12.30 will be the Five Stripes Countdown, and 1 o'clock will be the kickoff. We hope you will join us for that. For our producer, Dylan Matthews, our engineer, Miller Pope, and for Jason Longshore, I'm Mike Conti. Once again, Atlanta United falls to New England Revolution tonight, 2-1 in Foxborough. We'll see you next Sunday from Fort Lauderdale on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? 
we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.